Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Loved Ministries podcast. Well, this is the second talk on preparing for Pentecost, Invasion Day. The coming of the Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of a promise. The Spirit coming into our lives is God's gift to us. It's His very presence in us. He invades our lives to bring about change. We receive Him when we believe. A critical question is to what extent have we engaged Him, let Him be a part of our lives, develop relationship with Him. When He comes into our lives, it's the Holy Spirit who applies salvation to our spirit so that we experience that love, we experience that grace, that mercy, that forgiveness. We feel it. We feel it in our spirit. We feel it and know it in our mind. It's an experience that when we come to be forgiven and filled with the Spirit, we know it. We feel it. We experience it. We sense being washed, sins forgiven, forgiveness. It's those marvelous moments when God says through Paul, I am the God of hope. And I will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in me until you overflow with hope through the power of my Holy Spirit. For hope does not disappoint you because I have poured out my love into your heart through the Holy Spirit. And folks, the fantastic thing about this is that these are not concepts. These are not simply words that have definitions. These are experiences. We experience hope. We experience forgiveness. We experience love and joy and peace. And I'm still praying for you that God would empower you to experience these things at that internal, deeply spirit-to-spirit level where His Spirit connects with your spirit. And regardless of whatever your external circumstances are, hope, love, joy, peace, those are available to us because that's who he is and what he brings to our spirit. Well, today, what I want to focus on is the fact that now that he's in your heart, in your life, his spirit together with your spirit, another significant change, a result of that invasion, is that it radically changes our relationship with God and honestly with each other. The first thing I want to focus on, mostly there's two things in this time together. The first thing, though, is the nearness of God and intimacy with God changes. See, prior to that, God's presence, if you remember the Old Testament, your Old Testament history and story is that God's presence first is among them through the pillar of cloud and fire as they were making their way out of Egypt and to the promised land. And Eventually, his presence is on the mountain, and then his presence comes onto the tabernacle and finally onto the temple. But there is this one season there where the tabernacle was actually called the tent of meeting, but until it was made and prepared, Moses had his own little tent of meeting. And if you remember, this is in Exodus 33, it says 9 through 11, as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. 
The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now, again, initially, God wanted all of them to be a kingdom of priests, that they would all experience this kind of nearness and intimacy with God. And yet, they said, no, we want to hear God through you, Moses. Oh, it's such a painful thing to read, honestly. But then I can't help but wondering in this moment, as they're seeing the pillar of cloud descend on Moses' little tent of meeting, and they're standing at their tents and seeing it and worshiping, and yet somewhere inside, whether the sadness in their hearts or the sadness in God's heart, but that God intended that for them too. And wondering if at some point they started thinking, wow, what do we do? You know, we could be having a meeting with God like this, that he would be that close, that his presence, which is visible to them, would actually come into this little space where he and Moses are having a conversation face to face as one speaks with a friend. Brothers and sisters, this is the first most incredible thing is that at one time where we weren't even in relationship with God and then even in the Old Testament where God seemed at a distance and that his presence was only really near and close and intimate and conversational and in a friendship manner was only with the prophet, priest, and king. Invasion day when the Holy Spirit was poured out and he comes into each of our lives individually. Yes, he's a part of our corporate experience as well, but he comes into our lives personally, close, near, speaking face-to-face, as with a friend. Think about the Father being in Jesus in John 15, 14, and 15, where he says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. We're not servants. We're, we're friends. Friends, and he makes things known to us, what he's about, what he's doing. In fact, there's this marvelous passage, too, where Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 to 12, and then I want to finish with verse 16. He says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us, for we have the mind of Christ. Friends, we live in an age, in a time, in a season (laughs) where the nearness that Moses experienced and no one else did, that nearness, that intimacy, that sense of experienced presence, maybe you can't see it like a pillar of cloud or fire, but that your spirit together with God's spirit, you know that he is with you, that he is in you, and he is there to convey his heart and his mind. Who knows the mind of of a person, he says, except our own spirit. I mean, listen to this. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us, that he meets with us day to day, throughout the day, communicating 
by the Spirit to our spirit, His mind, His heart, His thoughts, helping us to understand and know and revel in and just rejoice in all that He has freely given us, that we have the mind of Christ. What a gift. How amazing. And what a change, a change from not having any relationship with God, but now not only having a relationship, but a nearness, a closeness, an intimacy. Well, here's the other thing then that happens. We become his children, not just friends, no longer servants, but friends, but not just friends, but children. I mean, it's all good. In John 1, 12 to 13, John says, Yet to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, God gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. How are we born of God? Well, in John 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. What happens? You and I, his spirit together with our spirit, causes us to be born again, born of God. We become his child. Paul says this in Titus 3, 5, and 6. He says that he washed us through the rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he has generously poured out on us. It's the only time Paul uses the language about being reborn. Paul likes to use another powerful metaphor, and that is of adoption. In Ephesians 1.4, he says that in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. And then in Romans 8, 14 to 16, he says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. God becomes our Father, and we his child, that we become part of his family. You know, I found this really fascinating little article, and I just want to say this because it's so powerful and share it with you. It says that Roman, not Jewish, not Greek, adoption law was at the heart of Paul's teaching. There was no Jewish adoption law because when a man died without male offspring to continue his line, his closest male relative was commanded to sleep with his widow and produce an heir. Roman law, by contrast, allowed a man to create an heir from outside his family. The reason for legal adoption was never for the sake of the child. Children could always be fostered, but adoption was to preserve the family. The Roman household was a worshiping unit, and it needed a male priest as its head to offer prayers and sacrifices to the family gods. Worshiping families were the building blocks of Roman society. See, in adoption, the adoptee gets a new identity. His old obligations and debts were wiped out, and new obligations were assumed. From the standpoint of the family religion, the adoptee became the same person as the adopter. Now, here's the coolest part of it. In modern law, we do not become heirs until someone dies. Paul's metaphor fails in modern law because we can't be God's heirs without God's death. But in Roman law, all the members of a family held their property jointly with the father. Youth were not automatically emancipated at age 21 and thus given control of their own property. 
all children of any age, natural or adopted, were already heirs while their father lived and had joint control of their property. This is the legal background of Paul saying that if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. In other words, birth, not death, constituted heirship. Friends, brothers and sisters, you realize why Paul wanted to pick up the language of adoption was that when Gentiles became believers, yes, we are born again, but he's saying born again in the sense that this is really, really, really real, that even though you are a Gentile, you come into God's family and you become an heir. Your identity is changed. You are part of the family fully, 100% with all of its rights and privileges and future inheritance. And Paul's trying to remind folks that, look, when you receive the Spirit, he says, the Spirit brought about your adoption to sonship, to becoming a child of God. Well, then here's another fascinating thing about this to me, is that Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And then I love this line, verse 23, he says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. See, we become his children. We become family. In fact, we discover that even Jesus is our brother. Hebrews 2.11, he says, Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. You see that we become part of his family. All of us born of the Spirit and especially of us who are non-Jews, it's, it's, it's an adoption. I mean, it's, you are a full child. Jesus is our brother, and together as family, he says that he comes and makes home with us. Home with us. It's not just a tent of meeting, but it's home. Home where Father, Son, and Spirit dwell with us, and we have brothers and sisters. We are family. One of the days I was meditating on this, I let the Father say this to me, Mark, I, your heavenly Father, love you. And Jesus and I have come to you and have made our home with you. We love, together with the Holy Spirit, living with you as family. This is the home where you belong. To which I responded, thank you, beloved Trinity, for coming to us, to me, and making a home with us, with me. A place of peace and acceptance, safety, love, belonging, and security. A place of warmth of being valued and enjoyed. No greater joy and blessing, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. Invasion Day, Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's very presence, becoming near, speaking face to face as with a friend as he did with Moses. But more than that, he makes us family. Family with the Godhead, family with one another, and creates community together with us all and calls it home, a place that's secure and safe and loved and valued. It's phenomenal what God gave us and what he brings us into even as he invades us. He changes our identity. He changes relationship, changes nearness. 
And again, it's not just concept. It's not just words. It's something that we deeply, deeply experience. And so I want to finish today with you hearing that Romans 8, 15 and 16 from the Father's heart again, because my hope is afresh in this season as you're preparing for Pentecost that you would hear the Lord say, you can know, no, 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 your spirit together with my spirit, that you are my child. So listen, the spirit you received, the spirit I gave you, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received, the spirit I gave you as gift, brought about your adoption to sonship. You are mine. You are my son, my daughter. And by him, you know that change has happened because you respond in your soul and say, Abba, Daddy. Papa, Father, for the Spirit, my Spirit Himself testifies with your Spirit that you are my child. Father, I pray for everyone listening today, let that happen afresh today. Holy Spirit, bear witness with every spirit who is listening to this right now. Let them feel that witness, that testimony, that confirmation in their spirit together with your spirit that they are yours, that you are at home in them, speaking to them face to face. And amazingly that you love us, you said, John 17, 23, even as you love Jesus. Oh, Lord, let that settle into our hearts afresh, maybe for the first time for some. Let them be overwhelmed that they really are yours and you're at home in them, near to have intimate conversation with them. Bless them, oh Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.